Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. All of our great radio partners... 6th and Peabody, our location, home of the Outkick Studios with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Gave a tour of this place today. It never ceases to amaze people, the size and footprint of the property and the fact that everything they sell here, other than the merch that's directly to my right, Paul's right, Chad's right, uh, right behind this wall is uh, made here. Everything but the merch. Um... And when you say, where are you guys located? We're right behind the Music City Center, which sits uh, right behind Bridgestone Arena, downtown Nashville. When you consider that the place is a city block long in a downtown area, it's pretty cool. So, so next winning, time you're in town, come see us. Winning property here. That's for right. For sure. And Friday afternoons might be the best time to be here. It is a full city block. Talk about how expansive this place is when you walk around realize you're walking on a city block that's the the size of this venue hit us up on twitter at outkick 360 sarkeesian has named uh viewers the starting quarterback at texas that's no surprise but we'll see that the longhorns uh ut taking the field there um we will uh, talk tennessee football later this hour as well um oh we're having him now okay brent hubs is about to join us uh we'll talk uh from vaultquest.com Brent Hubs in just a moment. And later we will discuss the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Eagles and Commanders um, as we continue our NFC East preview. And uh, we will also uh, give some thoughts on a, another column at outkick.com from PK. Uh, there have, uh, there's been glowing remarks from the quarterback play, both quarterbacks, Chad, at Tennessee to this point. We're less than two weeks away from the regular season. We weren't saying that a year ago. This was around the time that Joe Milton was finally supplanting uh, anything that Hendon Hooker has done. But they definitely have a hierarchy to practice now. I think that has helped practice in, with the, the, the daily regiment, so to speak. Um, and, and Hooker has looked the part coming off of a phenomenal year where he came off the bench. You know, Josh Heupel is not a, much of a pessimistic type of guy. When he meets the media, he's typically talking about the positives with his team. He's not really harping on – doesn't ever seem to be overly moody about anything or angry about the way practice went. Seems to come, at least to the media, with a pretty optimistic point of view on his team. Uh, I think offensively, that's where you'd point to the strength of this Tennessee team with what they have coming back. And that has been where Josh Heupel's optimism has been so far during camp. The Vols are headed into some game week prep coming up just around the corner from opening the season against Ball State um, on that Thursday night. We welcome in Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. Brent, thank you for the time as always. Hope you're well. Yeah, doing well. On our way to high school football. We get started go. here. We're going to try to dodge some storms and hopefully we get to play a little high school football tonight. But yeah, we're doing well and as you mentioned, Tennessee is shifting into 
uh, a game week mode. Um, they will not spend the next two weeks focusing on Ball State, but uh, they will be in a bit of a game week mode here just to try to get everybody acclimated to how game weeks go and what they look like, and particularly for the young players who are going to help this football team. Some of them are going to help this football team this year, some of them early. Let, let's talk a bit about the depth, and, and let's just start with some of the, the, the starters. Um, what have you learned over the last week or so about left tackle? And more importantly, are they going to make sure that they're solid on that spot as Pittsburgh rolls around? I'm, I'm kind of looking ahead here, but we're close to the Pittsburgh game where the season can turn based on that win or loss. Well, I mean, I think what they're going to do with that thing is they're going to play by committee. They're going to play both of them in the opener and see what happens. Um, and, and then as somebody emerges, then they'll play a guy more than they will the other. And I think that's kind of been the plan all along, to be honest with you guys. I, I don't I don't think that they have been in a situation where um, they felt like someone was just going to run away with this job. And that's certainly been the case uh, this fall camp. They'll play both of them, and they'll kind of sort itself out hopefully after the Ball State game, but it wouldn't surprise me if they don't play both of them uh, in the pit game. Remember this about Josh Heupel and Glenn Ellerby, the offensive line coach. When they were at Central Florida, because of the fast-paced offense, they were very comfortable playing six or seven offensive linemen a game. It does not bother them to rotate guys in the first half because they think it helps them stay fresh. So rotating those guys doesn't necessarily mean they're bad at that position. It just means – they may feel comfortable enough with either one of them that they can play them both some and try to spell them a little bit so that they stay fresh in the fast-paced offense. So, Brent, there seemed to be a lot of optimism around Brew McCoy's uh, getting eligible for this season. Certainly, he's been turning some heads at practice so far in his work with Tennessee. Has that optimism started to wane now that Tennessee has officially appealed with the NCAA? Well, Austin stole my line today in the two-minute drill. It's my line. I'm taking full credit for it. I stole it from Tom Hanks. The earth is getting bigger in the window, and time is running out here for, for Brew McCoy uh, to be able to be a part of the game plan to get ready for Ball State. I'm not saying they won't have him, but Josh Heupel said today he would like to have five or six days knowing that Brew McCoy is available to play to get him ready. If you don't know that, then they're going to shift some reps and get Walker Merrill more reps and get him ready, get a Caleb Webb, Chaz Nimrod, get those young guys more reps to get them ready. And McCoy would take less reps until he is eligible, uh, until he's ruled eligible. Here's what I know in terms of the optimism thing. Tennessee was plenty optimistic, optimistic all summer because it really just requires USC kind of signing off and approving it, basically. USC is is not doing that. They're not. They've not made it the easiest. I don't think it has anything to do with Lincoln Riley. So nobody needs to go tweet that Lincoln Riley. I think this is a compliant general counsel deal at Southern Cal, and I think if they're not going to sign off on it, then Tennessee is moving forward with an appeal to the NCAA and waiting on an NCAA ruling. The question is, how quick will the NCAA rule? Is this one of these committees that meets the second Tuesday of every odd month that ends with? Brent Hubbs with us. Uh, he's driving, I believe, to uh, maybe a, a high school game. And we will pot him down and reconnect with him momentarily. So USC, who has their own transfer issues um, from Pitt, 
Pitt's none too happy about Jordan how that, Addison. Thank you. Um, they're fine playing that ball game, but they're blocking. Ruben well, Ford. here's here's the problem I have. Tennessee needs to start to shame USC in this. That they teams do not often use the media to their advantage the way they should, um, because this looks awful for. Uh, it, it may not be a Lincoln Riley issue, but. It can become a Lincoln-Riley issue if your school is holding up some guy who wants to go play somewhere else. And then my, my point is, USC took this many transfers. Right. Their schools didn't hold them up. We got one transfer from USC this year, and their university is holding this kid's right to play up. That, that's a problem I'd have if I'm Tennessee, and I'd be pretty fired up about it. Um, I'm, I'm curious if we get Brent back on the line. I'll ask him about this. Tennessee got Valus Jones from USC also. I wonder if there's some lingering bad feelings about that. Valus Jones went to Tennessee and balled out. He was really good. And he made a big punt return last night for the Bears also in the preseason game. So I wonder if something's going on with that history. The way Brent between answered the two that, schools. though, um, made it sound like no one needs to go tweeting at Lincoln. Right? Almost like this is some, to your point, some seeded background thing well, from a previous Here's, year. here's my thing. Even if Lincoln Riley doesn't have much or anything to do with this, it's his school okay. that's blocking it. So if so I'm Tennessee, I'm saying back with us. don't go there and think you have a chance to go where you want to, even if it's out of conference, because their school holds people up. Brent, we, we picked up on your point there before you, uh, you lost connection going to the high school football game of Brew McCoy and your emphasis on not blaming Lincoln Riley. But and I picked up by saying this is a school that is – nationally regarded all of a sudden after winning four games because they took a ton of transfers and brought them with Lincoln Riley. So why wouldn't they play ball here with Tennessee and let a player go? I don't, I mean, again, I think this is on the university side because remember, unlike, and I heard you guys talking about Bayless Jones, of course, Tennessee also got Malik Jackson years That's ago. Right, they got yeah. Caleb Tremblay. They got Chase McGrath. I mean, they, they've had no issue there. Remember, Brew McCoy had a on-campus issue with their um, legal, with legal counsel on campus. Now, there was never a charge filed against them in any way, shape, or form. In fact, um, the, the authorities, the public, the police officers in L.A. looked at that case and went, no, there's nothing here and never even really pursued it at all. Uh, but I don't know where that stands with legal counsel at Southern Cal. That's why I say it's not a Lincoln-Riley issue, because I don't think the Lincoln-Riley is standing on a table and saying, we're going to block this to, to, to where he's not going to play. I mean, Lincoln-Riley doesn't know who Brew McCoy is. I guess he knew him in recruiting, but, I mean, he's never coached him, never been a part, never been around him or anything like that. Uh, I'm not sure legal counsel would have let Brew McCoy play at USC this fall if he stayed at USC. So that's why I say it's not a Lincoln-Riley thing. Tennessee's administration, start with Danny White all the way through, has been working and trying to work with USC on this and, and continue to have dialogue or try to have dialogue with them to get a resolution there. If there's not a resolution, then it's going to go to the NCAA and we'll see what the NCAA rules on. It's hard to believe in the world of the one-time transfer, somebody's really going to try to block somebody from playing somewhere, but it's college football and you never know. I mean, you just, you, you know, what you think is going to be an automatic oftentimes is far from it. Brent, put in perspective for those who are not familiar with him, what he would mean to this offense if he's eligible to play. He's the starting wide receiver opposite Cedric Tillman, in my opinion. Um, I think he is a talented guy who's got a big frame. 
who has had a really good, really nice freshman year at SC, got off track after that with some personal things that he was dealing with. Uh, but he is a high school five-star talent. Tennessee's unproven on that other side. I think Walker Merrill has had a really nice camp. I think he's proven he can help help this team. None of us saw Walker Merrill as an outside guy. Uh, they, we all thought he would be an inside slot guy, but he's done a good job on the outside. Ramel Keaton is not a consistent enough performer for me to be that outside guy right now, although he will play. I think McCoy is a guy who's made plays in scrimmages and, and second scrimmage. He didn't scrimmage in the first one because of a nagging injury, but he made plays in his second scrimmage. And as camp has gone on, he's gotten better and better with Hendon Hooker, and he's gotten better and better in understanding this offense. So I think he would have uh, a, a real impact on this offense from, from the moment he's cleared to play. Uh, depth was an issue for the first version of Josh Heupel's team. Uh, he talked today about that being less of a factor, it seemed like. How much better do you foresee the depth of this team being than last year? Well, I mean, I, I think depth's what you make it a little bit too, Paul. I mean, are you going to play those guys? They, they act like they're going to. They, they say they're going to. You know, they had more than three receivers on the team last year. It's just after the Florida game, they only trusted three receivers, and that's why they basically played only three. Willie Martinez had more defensive backs than the five that played 850-plus snaps last year. He just didn't trust playing any of those other guys. So the question is, how many do they trust to play? And I, I think that they feel better and they trust those guys, these guys more than they did a year ago. At the same time, too, uh, they probably want to see those guys react under the lights. I think that's why you'll see Tennessee play a lot of bodies, Paul, uh, the first game of the season against Ball State, and then they'll make some judgments after that as to how many they feel are above that line, if you will, being able to, to really contribute and, and who they think is, is maybe not ready for, you know, prime time under the lights action when they head to Pittsburgh. Brent Hubbs with us. Brent, how much of uh... – how much of a disadvantage is this Vols secondary right now in terms of speed on the on your average wide receiving core that they're going to face in the SEC? Oh, I think they're better. I mean, you, you know, we, we've got a. I think Tamarian McDonald um, playing the star position is probably a better athlete than any of us have given him credit for. When you watch his high school tape, Tamarian was a, an in the box strong strong safety playing basically a linebacker position for for Whitehaven. Uh, but I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. I think Kamal Haddon can run uh, on the outside a as a defensive back. I think Warren Burrell can run. I think the question with Warren Burrell is where's his confidence level? Um, he had some moments last year where he was pretty good, and he had some moments where he got picked on quite a bit. But I don't think it's a lack of athletic ability. And I think Christian Charles is a good enough athlete to, to, to play out there at the corner spot. Look, is, is Jalen McCullough suddenly gotten a lot faster? No. Um, so there they're probably – he's experienced. He knows what to do. But they're – you know, they could be better or more athletic at safety. Uh, Trayvon Flowers is plenty athletic enough. I think he needs to play with a little better football savvy, if you will, or IQ or whatever uh, and be a better ball hawk, you know, ball hawk guy out there than what he's been. Remember, Flowers didn't play high school football until his senior year. He was going to go play college baseball and then ended up with some scholarship offers late and decided to come to Tennessee and has played a ton of football. But you can tell that that he's been trying to figure it out the last couple of years because he didn't focus on football for three and a half years of high school, and it shows at times. 
So, Brent, speaking of secondary, how big was it for the Vols to land the two new commitments in the secondary, especially Jordan Matthews out of Baton Rouge this past week? Well, I think it's huge because it is an upgrade in athletic ability. It is an upgrade in speed. Um, and it's, you know, it's two guys who can play. Ricky Gibson from Trustful, Alabama. And as you mentioned, Jordan Matthews from Baton Rouge. Um, I, you know, those are guys, they beat out Georgia. They beat out Texas, Michigan. I mean, they beat out some, some high-quality schools you're chasing for both of those guys. So I think both those guys can come in and, and help. Um, I think the good news for Tennessee is, unlike when Elante Taylor and Bryce Thompson committed to Tennessee, I mean, they got handed the starting job the day they issued pads. That's not going to be the case here because they've developed some – they've got some depth. They've got some competition back there, uh, which should help both those guys. But I think Jordan Matthews is going to push every returner next year, every returning guy next year for playing time. I think you can see that out of Ricky Gibson as well. I think both those guys are high-quality players. Brent, um, your overall analysis of Mike Keith and the lap he made around Nashville with Mario Andretti a couple of weeks ago. Well, having known Mike um, and produced sports talk with him, I, 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 was, I got to call Mike to find out how much he interviewed Andretti before they ever got in a car. Yeah. Because when we were doing sports talk in Knoxville, he, he gave me this, this list of names weekly that he wanted on the show. And it was like the who's who in sports, right? I mean, it was every big name guy you could ever imagine. We got some of them on. Andretti was long on his list. And so I know he was thrilled to even just get to meet Mario Andretti, much less ride in a car with him. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought he handled himself well, maybe a little bit too much cheerleading. Um, you know, the hand the hand pumping kind of makes you wonder how fast the car was going at times, right? I mean, you would think he'd be holding on to the to something in the car a little more than he did. Uh, but but I know he had a, a ball doing it. And what a great event that turned out to be in Nashville with the with that racing series there through the streets of Music City and uh, what an unbelievable opportunity for Mike. So um, I, uh, I'm sure uh, he enjoyed every second of it. I sent him a text and said, you've never looked so cool than when you flip down that visor in slow motion with that helmet that he gave you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that was well done uh, by the Titans. Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, making well, a lap here's, around the here's my question. track with Andretti. Here's my question yeah. of that. Was, was that a Top Gun move? Or was that the Charlie Sheen Hot Shots move? Which, which one uh, would that move? factor into from a movie standpoint does it make the top gun real or does it go to hot shot it was more cold trickle in days of thunder so a little bit in between (laughs) both of them okay okay i got you it was well done uh and uh, brent uh retweeted it i saw that and i I said this is this is the coolest you're ever going to look on camera mike this is (laughs) unbelievable hey brent enjoy high school football man it's hard to believe high school kicks off now um and here we go under the lights and when you join us next week, next Friday, Tennessee will be in game week. Here we go. Good luck. Yep, it's time to go. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all yeah. have a great weekend. You too. There's Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com uh, who joins us each Friday. He and Austin Price and the entire crew at VolQuest doing a phenomenal job covering Tennessee uh, and uh, where they sit across the SEC. Coming up, our SEC preview continues with the Vanderbilt Commodores. We will also continue our preview of the NFC East as we turn our attention to the Eagles and then the Commanders on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Here's your new Thursday night football theme. You're listening across our radio partners. It's about to hit. On Amazon. And it's not Titans and Jaguars either. It's actually matchups you want to watch, ladies and gentlemen. Not Titans from the Ken Wisenhunt era. This is Mike Vrabel's Titans on Thursday night football. I think it's really Panthers good. Very good. Saints. Yeah. Next. <laughs> it, it would have been easy to not do well at this. It's Chiefs, Chargers. I, I find it extremely. It's compelling. Um, in this day and age, with the NFL films and their music, it is very difficult for them to not get it right. They're that good. Really is this scenes. NFL films? It has the composer's name. They have a composer. That is their orchestra. This is no different. That, that you can tell. This is the same theme as uh, falls in the same lines as Sunday Night Football on NBC. It's the same track, and uh, they they put out like Titans Radio would have access to this library. It's amazing how deep the library is of their of their overall theme. This is very well done. It's good. I, uh, when it kind of slowly starts, but then there's a little pause, then it hits. It's, it gets me going. Um, that leads us into our NFL discussion. We're going to hit Vandy later this hour. Um, Washington, we will preview Washington in a moment, but we start with the Philadelphia Eagles. I am high on the Eagles. I fully admit this. Um, Jalen Hurts, guys, has been set up so well around him now. Um, in I, I, Sirianni, or Sirianni uh, I earned a lot of respect for him based on his reaction in last week in the preseason game on the hit with Jalen Hurts on the sideline. Uh, they add A.J. Brown, who by all accounts from the Philadelphia media has been exceptional in practice and in uh, the first preseason game. We all saw that. They add Jordan Davis, who has been phenomenal on the inside. They have Nakobe Dean, who has been a tackling machine and is a steal where they drafted him on day number two. And uh, in between all that, Hassan Reddick is now it. rushing the passer. Paul Reddick. really loves Hassan Reddick. And they don't have many key losses from their roster. They lose guard Brandon Brooks, but they bring back talent around the quarterback and a defense that was very good a year ago. I've got... One thing that bodes poorly for them, two things that bodes well for them. They have four short-week road games. That'll wear on you. Yep. Uh, that's from Warren Sharp, who's big on scheduling inequities. Four short-week road games. That's a lot. On the positive side, last year they faced Mahomes, Brady, Prescott twice, Herbert, Carr. This year the best quarterback they face is probably Dak Prescott in division rivalry. Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, nothing in the same level. 
a very friendly schedule defensively for quarterbacks you're facing. I can't believe their schedule. I, I am up on them after looking through what they have ahead of them this year. And we talked about this. You, you brought this up last year, and I think this is a really good sign for them. Nick Sirianni changed midseason last year and adapted. He passed 20% less after eight games last year. That tells me here's a coach who can look at his team, self-evaluate, isn't married to his concepts, but will adapt to his talent, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. I thought that was a fantastic sign for them. I don't want to like the Eagles, but I'm liking them. Reddick and Jordan Davis, too, is a combination added to the defensive front. That's effective, and it's a bad division. And they have Brandon Graham. Fletcher Cox is back. They released him. They resigned him. They've worked within the salary cap restraints there. And at running back, they'll use multiple backs, but they were very efficient. Going into the postseason until they met the Bucks, which is the number one run defense in the NFL for the last three years, they were running at a clip of over 200 yards as a team per game. And they, they do that very well. They have now added A.J. Brown in the mix to a group that includes Dallas Goddard at tight end and, of course, at wide receiver Devontae Smith as well. If, every, if All things being even, and we're just judging teams on their health right now, even though they finished 9-8, and eight, Chad, a year ago, this is a sneaky good team that's being overlooked. Yeah, re-signed uh, uh, Derek Barnett also, yeah. who's been a yeah. bit disappointing as a first-round pick, but they, they've got him coming back. Good good player, mm -hmm. depth also. Yes. Um, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, two good running backs. Jalen Hurts was not you know terrible a year ago. I, I would describe it as a solid season. 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 10 rushing touchdowns. Completed almost 62% of his passes. This is definitely a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. But if he just steps up a bit, you know, from solid to good, mm -hmm. good to great, right? I, I think this is a, a sneaky, great team. They, He's my worry. The for, He's he, my worry for them. Yeah, they, I don't love Hurts. They've got to find consistent play from him um, because they're not seeing that in camp to this point. It's been if you just went down every day and just said good or bad, and that was your only description, it's very up and down. It's good, good, bad, 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 good. You know, And then you look around, you're like, well, you're still seeing solid play from the wide receiver core in the starting group, and once they get their full group together, it should be okay. But it again, it, it hurts has to be has to be consistent. I love that he took the hit, got right back up, and then finished a drive. He was really good a week ago. So, but take this for what it's worth. It's just a snapshot in a preseason game. But there's a lot of pressure on him. And he recruited A.J. Brown. They were working out prior to the trade. Um, it, this is something that is, it's hard to overlook how much they wanted to play with each other within this offense. So We think they're competing with Dallas for the crown, or we yes. think they're second place? No, they're, they're in the mix. But look, this is – you brought up a great point about the, 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 the schedule with the short weeks. I mean, I think that does play a factor. And the inconsistency of the quarterback plays a factor. I, I think they're – this is a, this is a December team, right? And they're not the seventh seed. They're not the seventh seed like we saw a year ago. Was they six or seven? Six. They were six because they went on the road at Tampa. Tampa was the two last year, right? Yeah. Um, Who was the seven in the NFC last year? Uh, I'll look blanket, it up. Blanket, I'll find it. Maybe it, was, maybe it was Philly. I, I want to say Philly was the last in, but okay. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Well, seven would have played two. 
Oh, yeah, so that's it. Because there's no yeah. buy. There's no yeah. buy. There's one buy. That's right. So there's seven. They went on the road and were destroyed by Tampa. Uh, Washington, this is a... I, I think they're just a 500 team, guys. They add Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz doesn't suck, but he's also not playoff caliber. He's not a big-time quarterback. But they upgrade at quarterback. Keep that in mind. From a 7-10 and 10 team... They've upgraded at quarterback, even though everyone's hating on Carson Wentz. They draft Dotson from Penn State, who has had a very good offseason. And while they lose Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, they've upgraded at starter because they're not looking at Taylor Heineke. Heineke's now the backup. Um, It's the inconsistent quarterback play that worries me. And the fact that the defense took a step back a year ago after 2020 season where they were among the top defenses in the entire NFL. Yeah, that that was my big issue. I thought Washington's defense would be really good last year. It wasn't. Uh, Third down defense, 48.5% touchdown rate, second highest in in the league. Bad pass defense. um, uh, And and just didn't make any really changes to to the the secondary or that are going to impact that. They have a much easier schedule again. Not, not quite as quarterback free as um, the as Philly. They get Aaron Rodgers, but after that, the best quarterbacks they face: Dak Prescott, Trevor Lawrence. So it's an easier path. I would expect the defense to bounce back. Some look, they were two and four in the division last year. The two wins were over a crappy Giants team, and one of them was Week 18 against Jake Fromm. Mm. That's two days in a row I've gotten to talk about Jake Fromm. But they're going to have to do better in the division to contend, and I think it's a third-place team. Well, they need Chase Young to come back off the ACL. He's still on PUP. He's still on PUP right now. Yeah, there's not a lot to just really love about this team. I I do like their three-headed monster at running back with Antonio Gibson, Mm -hmm. J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson Jr. A player to watch for me is fifth-round pick Cole Turner, who is a six-foot-seven, two hundred forty-pound basketball-playing former wide receiver. Uh, from from Nevada, who is going to be a tight end, but when we see okay. these hybrid tight ends that are athletic, that that's a guy for me to watch. You got to really dig though to find things to to love about this Washington team, and that's even after we are saying I agree with you guys. It's an upgraded quarterback to Carson Wentz from the situation they had a year ago. He's an easy punchline right now, but I, I think they're better at quarterback. I just don't see this team. This is one of those we're making those tiers of the division. It's Cowboys, Eagles, pretty sizable drop off to get to Commanders, Giants in that so, division. So they they have to be a team offensively that is built through the run with Wentz. The the one thing not to overlook though that I have done this off season is remember Wentz only threw seven interceptions a year ago. That was not a what we would consider a great pack of wide receivers in Indy. I mean they were they have Pittman. Right, They had an older T.Y. Hilton. But as far as the group is concerned, they've got a lot of number three and number fours that if they win in the free agent market, they're not being signed to getting be number two. Deals. They're getting one-year deals like Zach Paschal, uh, I believe, who's now in, in Philly. Philly. Um, so now in Washington, he's playing with Jahan Dodson, who now is opposite um, Terry McLaurin, who just got signed to the big money deal. So they've got some some playmakers at wideout, but I think that only plays a factor if they can get their run game going with Antonio Gibson. And they have Brian Robinson, who they're high on, and who the, the, the reports out of Washington, he's having a very good camp, the rookie running back out of, out of Alabama. So 
can they find consistency with the run game and stick with that that allows the pressure to not be on Wentz to go win games in the fourth yeah, quarter? And you got to stop some people on defense, um, particularly on, on, uh, on third down and, and in the red zone. Yeah. Um, and that's pass defense. And I think they're just counting on people to get better. Because they didn't really do do much, and I, I don't know. How, how hot is Ron Rivera's seat in Washington? Uh, he's done so much, Chad, I think, to settle the, the football side of things and to keep it buffered from all of the nonsense that's gone on on the administrative side. I think he's highly respected. Um, I, I'd be kind of surprised, unless they really bottom out, if he's in trouble. And he's one of those guys, I'd say, who are you getting that's better than Ron Rivera? I know everybody now thinks, well, you know, if O'Connell has success, if the next batch of young right. guys has success, just go get a young guy. But that seems easier than it is. I think Ron Rivera, last year was a big disappointment, but I think he's a better coach than he gets credit for a lot of times. Yeah. Um, it, it comes down to, can Ron Rivera just coach and not have to worry about sending out statements on behalf of the organization every week? Like, yeah, he, he needs to – stick to the football side of it yeah. and, and keep some stability because I do agree that he adds some gravitas stability to the football the side of it yep. that I don't know if you're watching, you want to go in a direction of a completely unproven young guy no, right you now. You need a figurehead. Well, and look, go out and play well and win more than expected. And he's going to be just fine. Coming up, our preview of the Vanderbilt Commodores as they are headed into game week against Hawaii. And wait until you hear what uh, a member of the Hawaii staff is saying about Vandy coming to town. Coming, Quote of the season so far. Coming to their state. <laughs> Quote of the season so far <laughs> is, with, is with Hawaii. You don't, you don't come to Hawaii and mess around. Our What's SEC spotlight saying? on the Vanderbilt Commodores is next to now kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Vanderbilt will take on Hawaii to begin their regular season. And as we begin our look at the Vanderbilt Commodores going into 2022, we start with an example of how Hawaii feels about the matchup. Uh, here is a staff member discussing Vanderbilt on the road in week zero playing Hawaii. 
Timmy's done a great job. You know, again, 52 new kids in here. That's never been done in college football. Never has a team had that big a turnover. And to get these guys all going in the same direction, which they are, is an incredible accomplishment by Timmy and his staff. And then additionally, changing a culture and giving a team back to the state, it's been amazing to be a part of. I cannot wait for that moment when we come out into that stadium. And I know there's going to be 9,300 9, people there, but I will bet you that the energy is going to be like there's 90,000 in that stadium. And, and uh, you know, this is such a special place. Vanderbilt has no idea what they're getting into. You know, when we start waving those tea leaves and that our kids do the hot, uh, the fans, chances our fans are, it's just going to be so, so special. That's Hawaii football director of player development, Jeff Reinbold, discussing the Vanderbilt Commodores in, in week number one for Hawaii and Vanderbilt on their college football season. Vanderbilt doesn't know what they're getting into. Uh, talking with, with Clark Lee, he wants to make sure that you don't land in Hawaii and treat it like a vacation and you treat it more like one of those preseason or regular season tournaments that we will we would see a college basketball coach go on the road and you have a great bonding moment over the week or so that you're there. Um, but this this is uh, when you see the two and a half wins, it's over under two and a half for Vanderbilt uh, in Vegas. You see the first two games, Hawaii and Elon. And if you believe that they're winning both of those games, then you're taking the over, aren't you? Yeah. It's not going to feel like uh – 90,000 people. It's going to feel like 9,000 people. And they've played in front of a lot of people. They play oh, at yeah. SEC stadiums all over the Southeast. So yep. this guy's delusional. Well, Vandy plays away games at home. I mean, they know yeah, what right. tough atmospheres are like. They roll into their own stadium With at more times. Than nine, it's a, it's plenty a, more than 9,000. It's an away but, game. but keep in mind, that this to me shows a status of a program or yeah. how it was viewed. Because this is not the Clark Lee regime that scheduled these games. But they're going on the road at Hawaii in week zero. An SEC school's doing that. They're going on the road against Northern Illinois a few weeks later on the road. They will be hyped up because an SEC school is visiting them. And that's their bowl game. Yeah. They're playing the SEC. Regardless of who's on the helmet, they're playing the SEC. So that 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 is a difficult element to prepare for because it's a smaller stadium than it is like, oh, we've been to Athens before. We've been to Vanderbilt Stadium before because Athens was there as well. It, it's it's a different mentality that he wants yeah, no, his team to take there. No one respects Vandy right. uh, when they played them, and that's not Clark Lee's fault. Right. You know that's just what what he inherited and and where they've been traditionally. It's an odd schedule because that two and a half over under. I would hammer the over on it, but you look at the schedule. They have their four non conference games to start the season. In four consecutive weeks. And then it is eight straight SEC games after that. And it's a gauntlet. So even if they beat Hawaii and Elon, well, they got to beat Wake Forest, who's preseason 22nd in the nation at home, or, or go Northern. on the road to NIU and win. Because outside of that, at They're Alabama, big dogs. then they get a bye week. Then it's Ole Miss at home. It is at Georgia, at Missouri, another bye week. South Carolina at home, at Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee to end the season. So it's tough to find another win unless they upset someone. Now, they should have beat South Carolina on the road a year ago. They're going to have a game like that. They're better this mm -hmm. year than they were last year. So that's not to say that they're not going to have Ole Miss on the ropes late, right? Or 
have a great game at Missouri and 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 have a chance to win. That's going to happen once or twice in SEC play, but there's no penciling in a W at any point after those first two games. I wrote about uh, you know the transfer portal and and team chemistry. That that isn't much of a thing at Vandy, but they lose their their great left tackle to to Bama, where he he's in line. Tyler Steen. They get a guy from UConn at corner. UConn, who they beat by two points when they should have killed them. That they must have really been impressive in that game to go get help there. Um, and and the replacement for the left tackle Brenner is from North Texas. So they've got some supplementary pieces at least to fill in the cracks out of the portal. But they're young. Their best people yeah, are young. They have a long way to go. Clark Lee knows that. He knows what he's he's trying to change the mentality. Um, I guys, I would take the under. Two and a half. I have. I, I think they are identi- identical record-wise to a year ago, but we see considerable improvement because of uh, two guys that wear the same number. I think A.J. Swan, number 13, is going to be starting quarterback for them, freshman, uh, by midpoint of the season or the end of the year where they're trying to get him reps because in watching their team, if you watch him spin the football and watch him diagnose the field, He's making more plays with his arm and from the pocket than any of the other guys. But the problem is, and why they're going to start Mike Wright in, in, in against Hawaii early in the season, they have to have some mobility because that's their best asset right now is Mike Wright's athleticism outside the pocket. And they, they need to ride that while they get the freshman ready. He looks very good playing against Vanderbilt in scrimmages, in a scrimmage that I, I watch. So... Let's let's first mention that AJ Swan, um, CJ Taylor is a safety for them. Play, also wears number thirteen. He is from oh he's from my my high school yes, Warren he County. Yes, but the pioneer. I I did not expect him uh, to jump up the depth chart the way he has on the depth chart that you'll find online. He's listed at linebacker. They are moving him all around the field, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing some safety, some deep safety. And he diagnoses screens, which is massive in college football. That's going to help their defense. They have a very young core that will be really evident a year from now. But it, it's hard for me not to see them turn things over to the younger group as the season progresses. Because I think you have to get a look at what you have and where you where you want to recruit again, right? So... Um, I think that might be the most difficult decision of the season is when to turn the channel and turn it into the young. Because it, you mentioned the, the SEC stretch. There's no week where it just makes sense to make that happen. And because of that, I think they take their lumps because they're playing a lot of well, And again, they got no, they got no uh, FCS break right, late right, in the year. They right. get Elon in week two, and then it's you know four, they get their four non-conference games out of the way the first four weeks then move on to that eight straight brutal SEC schedule for Vanderbilt. Ramon Davis coming back, I think, is big as a senior. Got injured last year. Uh, he's a heavy hitter as a running back for Vanderbilt. I think he's going to help them in the ball control game mm-hmm. at times, too. So I, I'm going to take the over of, they, of two and a half. I don't, I don't think it's more than three. But I, I, I see this as a, they're going to start – I'm fairly confident in saying, regardless of what the Hawaii director of player personnel wants to say, I think they're starting 2-0, and and they're going to find a win somewhere else. Yep. Northern Illinois lost one of their school's career leaders in receptions, receiving yards, 
uh, in, in camp also, which is a big loss for them. So it's amazing to me how everyone just looks at that game and says, oh, Northern Illinois is way better than you think. And they've got something for Vandy when they come up there. They, they score more. Well, I mean, yeah, that sounds we, easy. We, but we asked the question, too. Over 30 touchdowns on offense. I, I would take the under on I that, too. Because, under. again, they're, they're developing more around trying to build their depth and get some of, this, some of these guys' experience. They had 13 passing touchdowns to 14 interceptions a year ago. Yeah, they had eight rushing miserable. touchdowns. They scored 17 they had, or fewer six times. Well, and they scored 20 or more three times, and they lost all three of those games. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the key, is even when they were scoring more than 20, it's not like their defense was, was stepping up to allow their offense to... to it, it's, it's very difficult. It was, it was not good last year. They lost to East Tennessee. They owned it as a coaching staff. But this is a slow climb out of where they are. And Derek Mason left them with an OVC roster. And it, 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 it sounds like a knock. But the SEC, it is on their roster and what they inherited was not good the depth not good but the the light that you can see is the recruiting class and why I'm pointing to the freshmen because you've got to get those guys in or those guys are going to move on I, I am I wrong in thinking that well, if, I mean, you, if you're better than who's in front of you and you're not yeah, getting playing time the transfer portal is open he doesn't want the program to function that way Clark Lee the, but uh, you know you got to Here's how I want Keep the program to function if I'm Clark appeal. Lee. If you believe in the guys you brought in, yep. play all of them. And, I, and I'm not saying play someone who's not as talented as a senior or junior. Like on the line. Because you'll play yeah. them, but yeah. get them in there, keep them engaged, and keep them around. Yeah, the secondary, like you, skill you positions, need, quarterback. You need carryover. Yep. You need and freshmen and sophomore playing that are going to be sophomores and juniors a year from now that are all together. Paul, uh, plug your column at Outkick. I wrote about the uh, kids' baseball tryouts and uh, the tension it creates in a family. A lot of people relating to it. I know you've gone through it, too, so check it out. Also, now at Outkick.com, Zach Dean with the column. A plane misses runway because both pilots fell asleep. Enjoy that one. Enjoy that nightmare fuel. And have a great weekend. We're back at it on Monday. Don't block the box, but do lock the locks. See ya!